Hello Texans, I'm Susanna and this is the Susanna Gibbs Show. I'm currently in Chicago, I'm on the edge of Chinatown. That noise in the background is the Chicago Marathon. I was lucky enough to see the leader go by earlier today. They made the new world record, congratulations. Marathons are amazing, people are amazing. The human spirit and persistence it takes to run 26 miles. Our next guest also has a very strong spirit. She started her passion business in her kitchen during COVID. I really enjoyed talking with her. I hope you enjoy her story as well. Please connect with us at GiveAgencyDallas.com. We would love to hear from you. We're going to end this podcast with our insurance story of the week because the insurance agency sponsors it. I'm here for a conference, which is why I get to see this amazing, amazing experience. And now, on with the show. On the podcast with me today is Jessica. She is the founder of Ezra Coffee, self-made CEO with uh, an amazing story, and I can't wait to hear all of it. So thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chit-chat with you today. So before we get into the yummy coffee part, yeah. um, how, what you said, um, I was, I was um, sanctioned stalking through your website and I saw that you're <laughs> a, a former educator and diversity and inclusion strategist. What, what does that mean? Yeah. So I actually started my career. Um, I graduated in 07. So right after 07 came the, what, the recession. So I was looking for jobs, doing things there. And I did this program called AmeriCorps. Um, it's similar to Peace Corps, but you stay in state. And so I did a mirror for and placed me with a job in Cincinnati Public Schools, um, helping students go to college. And it was actually what I wanted to do in my hometown of Atlanta, but you had to be a teacher first. So I went through Cincinnati, stayed there, worked in your education system, helping students, first generation, low income students matriculate to and through the collegiate process. And then I jumped into higher ed. So then I worked at Ohio State University and then Purdue University as well, working with their diversity programming to recruit more diverse students and candidates to the school, university, faculty and students, and then more importantly, help them stay at the university from a retention perspective because we're having higher attrition rates. So that was my background in that space. And then from there, I continued in my DNI journey and went to corporate. And so within the corporate sector, I was working at an automotive company and we were doing all of their diverse marketing, multicultural now, footprints. Was this still in Ohio? This is now in Toyota. So I move a lot. I'm on my sixth state and second country. So oh my. I've been okay. kind of bopping around. So this is here in Texas. And um, so I was working there and doing a lot of amazing things there. And then the pandemic happened and I was wanting to try some different things. and was looking for something. And I always had this love for coffee and making things in my house. And so I had a lot of free time. So I was like, let me see what this can actually look like. Interesting. All right. Um, before we get to the coffee bits. Yeah. So you were in... I'm actually, I'm from Ohio. My family's from Ohio. What part? So, and I, Cincinnati's had a big resurgence, but I don't think it happened. It wasn't happening when you were there, was it? Not at all. It was, you know, no. it was on, it was on the, it was on the cusp. It was starting out, right? So okay. it was starting and then I was actually heading out. So I left right when they were kind of like taking over. Maybe if I had saw some of that then, I probably would have stayed a little longer. Um, but I left right before that all took over. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, Ohio has been um, racked with problems from um, oxytocin and the mm -hmm. whole um, drug mm -hmm. issue. And yeah, um, were you there then? Did you see any of that, or was that did that predate you as well? 
No, actually, I was there uh, for getting, but I was in Indiana when it was really, really bad. And I was in Indiana actually at the time when they had the needle exchange program, which was something that Governor Mike Pence put in place for those mm-hmm. who were suffering from that because of the amount of overdoses and the amount of people who were really heavily um, invested in these drugs. And so it wasn't just oxycodone, but it was also those who were um, on heroin and all these other things. Heroin, yeah. So it was, it was really. It was really interesting and sad um, to see what seemed to be such great uh, circumstances flip. It almost seemed like it happened overnight. And maybe it was there the entire time, but you just didn't see it as much. But it seemed yeah. like this flip just happened overnight. And it was it was painful to watch. It was painful to go through. It was painful to see families being torn apart and things of that nature. But it was, it was also for me as a person of color, it was like the reverse of the 80s, right? It's like the crack epidemic. And now you see it flipping into another space as well. So disheartening all the way around. Where did you grow up? I'm from Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. You said that. I'm Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, ma'am. Hot Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. <laughs> well, what part of Ohio are you from? I miss that. So I, um, Marion, Ohio, which is, you know, north of Columbus. My parents oh. met at Ohio State, but I still have a ton of family in the Cincinnati, in the Cincinnati Kentucky area. So I have great memories of swimming in the Ohio River and, um, visiting family there and the farmlands up north so i moved there when i was three so i can't claim it but yeah. um i did love cincinnati i thought cincinnati uh i visited before it declined and so when i was i was really excited to hear that it was it was coming having back. a resurgence because it's got you know with the river running right through there i mean it's just so cool it has so much history and i love the fact that living there you can get to so many other cities within an hour and 30 minutes so you can yeah. be in Louisville, you can be in Lexington, you can be in Annapolis. It was so quick. Whereas in Atlanta, it's four hours out. No matter which way you're going, it's going to take you a while to kind of get to the next place. Atlanta's kind of hard, man. Their traffic is, like, everybody claims Dallas traffic is bad, but there are no, you can't take a side street in Atlanta to get there. And the side streets are just as bad. Yeah, I was literally just talking to a guy the other day, he was an Uber driver. Um, he was talking about Atlanta's traffic, and I told him, I'll, and I'll share this with you too, there is a piece. Um, it said, "Why is it?" He said, "What does Atlanta's traffic have to do with segregation?" Dot 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 everything, and it walks you through how they built the highways in Atlanta, how the streets are designed, how the trains stop at certain times of the day, and how they built this all around a particular time. It's it's very fascinating. Um, the researchers who really did this piece on it, and it's actually the piece of that 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 article piece is also in the sixteen nineteen project. If you have that as well, but. It is amazing to see. And so they go through different cities and they talk about how cities. So they did Atlanta and Chicago because they have similar issues and they walk through. It was it was very fascinating to kind of see as well, too. And you don't think about it when you're from there. It's like you're just getting used to it. You just know not to get on 75 at the 430 on a Friday. Like you're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. You just figure out wherever you're going to do on the other days of the week. So it's interesting to say. You know, I have my the next guest coming after you. Her name uh-huh. is uh, Victoria Meeks and she is working on a project in the um, 10th Street Historic District, which is also that what exactly what you're talking yeah. about, how they put a city in the middle of a neighborhood and how it disrupts yep. it and how it changes it. And it was, you know, um, so you allude to that thing. But it's interesting that you have the diversity and inclusion aspect, which I guess makes you more, do you think you're more aware of? Issues uh, and segregation and how cities move and being able to talk about it with people, especially on the corporate side. 
Yeah, I think um, I think being a woman of color, you're always going to kind of be aware of it, right? I think growing up in a city like Atlanta, which is kind of the reverse for a lot of other people of color, where everything is black, uh, where most people would say, like, I was the only black person here, I was the only black person there. I have the flipped experience, right? And so I think for me, yeah. um, being in diversity and inclusion sizes, you're more intensive to ensuring that spaces are inclusive. Yeah. Um, I would say it will be that. I'll say also I have a heightened sense on belonging. And I've lived abroad, I've lived in a bunch of different cities, so I'm also looking to for that connective tissue. How can we all find some commonalities, regardless of the obvious, uh, where we can still live, work, play, and eat in the same spaces and enjoy and be able to enjoy each other and more importantly, learn. You know, one thing with Ezra, all of our blend names are named after significant events and individuals within our collective American history. And so oh. on the back of those bags, we all tell these different stories. And because, you know, you're drinking coffee, my grandfather, he used to always have his newspaper. He was educating himself on something. And so mm -hmm. I really wanted Ezra to be that vehicle as well, where we're sharing these different stories of things that have happened that we may not always talk about. So I think that diversity, equity, inclusion background allows you. Sorry, I had something no beeping. Worries. I was like, what is this beeping? Oh, my God. Yeah, um, I think you just put a awareness on him being inclusive and creating a sense of belonging and making sure that you're weaving in that connective tissue within not only your product, but within your business as well. Interesting. So since you brought this up and I saw some of the names of the coffees, would you, yeah. what is it? Is it Lord of Tulsa? What is that one? So we had, that's, that's no, a blend. 64th in Tulsa. That's six, yeah, 64th in Tulsa, which is one of our best sellers. I actually have a bag here. So it's, uh, this is 64th in Tulsa. And this one highlights the presidential signing of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 by Lyndon B. Johnson. So when he signed in his office, and then it also allows us to focus on Tulsa Black Wall Street and what took place in the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So this is our, I call it progression through darkness. So it's our medium dark roast, if you kind of pick that up on that blend. Um, it's an Ethiopian and Sumatran blend. Like I said, it's one of our best sellers. But that's what that one is. And then on the back of the bag, as I mentioned before, it kind of walks you through that story of the connection between the two of those and what took place there and the and the progress, more importantly, that we made. And we think about what took place in that district, what was lost for that group of people was generational wealth. And you'll see that this bag is particularly green because they destroyed that district. So one thing could about you, our story- Could you just, just in case we have somebody who's listening who doesn't know the story behind the um, Greenwood Tulsa, would you explain what yeah, that was? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in May was Memorial Day weekend, 1901. Um, there was a massacre. Why don't I say a massacre? It was a bombing in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And at this place, that street was called Black Wall Street. It was full of black businesses, black hotels, um, black hospitals. Anything that you would need within your community to survive was there. It was created and provided all by black business owners and black individuals. And they stayed in their own space, right? They were thriving. They were doing really well. Um, one individual made a claim that someone had um, accosted her in an elevator, uh, that a black man accosted her in an elevator. And these and people went out to try to find who this black man was. And so even though this town where this happened was very far away, they came to Greenwood saying that the person said, we saw somebody say he was here. And in three days, they bombed all of these businesses. They tore down these people's houses. They ransacked this. So 17 restaurants, three hospitals, movie theaters, everything's banks were destroyed in a matter of three days. And all of these individuals were displaced. They lost all of their things and they had to literally try to start over in another town um, that was also segregated. So when they yeah. went from an unsegregated space, they had to go to a now segregated space. And even if you look at some of the stories, the women were saying 
I was going to these places to work and I saw this woman tells that she said, and this lady had on my clothes. She had on my furs because they were stolen these individuals things when they went through and ransacked this town. And even after all of that, what it was what's most interesting is people say, well, what happened to the individual? The guy that was supposed to did this wasn't even in the town, didn't do it, was proven not guilty, the whole thing. So all this started off of a lot of rumor um, that was founded to be untrue. What do and you so say you right... to people who, and we'll get back to the copy names in a minute, but what uh-huh. do you say to people when they're like, why would you put something negative on the front of your copy? Like, why oh not just God, let that's... it go? Oh, no, that's not negative at all. That's not negative. Because think about it. Had that not happened, and that was on the quest of how we got our civil rights, right? So we have the 64th and Tulsa Peace. We had to start somewhere. We had to start having that conversation somewhere because if we weren't, where would we be now? So I don't yeah. feel like it's negative at all. I, that's why I said it's progression through darkness. The progress is still the 60 for the civil rights set that didn't just, it was led by white people, but it wasn't just focused on us. It said underrepresented people. So that's women yeah. as well. So no, I don't feel like it's negative at all. I think when you when you read it, I think when people read history, they look to see, I don't want to be reminded of this. But I think we also have to look at what happened and then what got us here. I don't feel like that's in the negative space either. I think and and none of our stories on any of our um on any of our blends are rooted in adversity or struggle or anything like that, right? So even the story that's on the back of this back highlights the two things. We don't walk through what took place, what we just share with you on the within the, the Tulsa massacre. We leave that up to the reader for them to understand. We highlight it, we put the pieces in there, but our connective tissue, like we talked from an inclusion standpoint, shows the progression from this, the, if the equality of this and how these two were married together and how we got to where we are now, where we're all sitting down in coffee shops equally together, drinking amazing coffee, telling great stories, meeting up with our girlfriends, meeting up with our LGBTQ friends. All of that came out the Civil Rights Act. I love that. I love that. Um, what about, tell me about Lord Baldwin. What's that one about? Yes, yes, yes. So um, as you can see, I love history, but Lord Baldwin is named after Audrey Lord and James Baldwin, both writers, both activists, both LGBTQ, but both out to eradicate any of the isms. Their focus was while they love America, they had no they had no problem telling her about this herself. But more importantly, they loved love, right? And we're talking about two individuals who were of color, growing up in space, and many African Americans are rooted heavily in Christianity and spirituality, where they are not able to be their free self. They are not yeah. able to love who they want to love. They are not able to be able to show up authentically. Uh, because of the judgment within those spaces. And so I love both of them because they were both out to eradicate all of the isms. Um, and they were great writers, but more importantly, they contributed so much to our culture. So that blend is a Kenyan double A. It's the darkest blend that you can find of coffee. And we have that one. We feel like that one is for the woke, the activists, the writers, the ones who need to stay up all night because they're trying to push <laughs> through the professors. You know, the ones are going to give it to you straight up, no chaser. And so that's why that's the particular strongest blend. And that one is orange as well, too. So I really wanted this brand to be inclusive. And within that, we highlight that community within those individuals as well, too. That's so fun. So let's, and all right, now we've gotten the names. I want to go back because I'm just, you started this in your kitchen, right? Yeah. (laughs) During COVID? During COVID, I had a lot of free time on my hands, Susanna. It was Everybody had all the free time on their yeah, hands. Yeah, you know, like, like so many amazing ideas 
Absolutely. came out of COVID because people had to sit there and think about stuff. But I'm so yeah. fascinated. So I walk us, how do you roast coffee beans in your kitchen? Does it smell yes, amazing it, or terrible? It can go either way. It can go either <laughs> way. I'm going to say it right now because when you're burning them up, it's definitely going to go to the opposite way of it smelling terrible. So um, my, I really wanted to get, I love coffee. Started drinking with my grandfather back in Arkansas. So that's where my grandfather's, my grandparents are from. Uh, but my sister has a lot of food allergies. So, and more importantly, she's lactose intolerant. So she can't do any milk-based stuff with her. Oh, you said, so she can't do any milk-based stuff with her creamers. Um, and she doesn't, she, and she also has a soy and a nut allergy. So there's no soy milk. Oh, no, no, almond no. Milk, no, she can't do any of that. That's and how I she, live. Yeah. And oats really kind of irritate her too, because she has eczema. So she, she, the child is literally nuts, not even nuts. I'm sorry. She's literally lettuce, water, and Tic Tacs. That's what I tell everybody. My sister, lettuce, water, Tic Tacs, because she's so allergic to things. Anyway, I was trying to find different ways that we can flavor coffee so that she didn't have to have those things. And so I was mixing coffee beans and like pouring syrups and stuff on, because I saw some stuff on YouTube. And I saw this one guy, he was doing a roasting his with a cast iron skillet. So I remember the, pet, the pandemic, nothing's coming on time shipments are delayed so me trying to order a, a you know a coffee spinner during the, it's not coming like when i thought it would so i did have a cast iron skillet and i had some green beans from when i was traveling so i started mixing them in there and i was like let me see what this tastes like and had an espresso machine so i could grind the beans down afterwards and it wasn't half bad um what do so you I say you had green beans what do you mean you had green beans yeah so green primal beans so they're green okay. coffee beans those okay. are before they've been cooked or anything. You can order green coffee beans from anywhere, like caramel beans. Okay. And you can, for those who like to uh, roast their own beans, you also order those. You roast your own beans and you can grind them down um, with your espresso machine or your grinder. And then you can have your own coffee. So that's for people who like super coffee enthusiasts and they want to do the entire thing on their own, right? So you can buy them washed or not natural wash, whatever. So we did that. I had a party um, and I set it out and I was like, hey, you guys, I'm starting a coffee brand. No, I sat on the counter. And I told people to try it. Now, this coffee, I had put a little cognac in there because what's well, a party without alcohol? Um, and so I was telling me, well, you know, it's right. My friend was like, this is really good. You should try it. And I was like, I didn't ask you to, to speak businesses into my life. Just drink the coffee, get your drink, and go about your business. She was like, no, it's really good. And so I was like, well, let me see. And so I tried again. So I found a roaster. I'm looking online, like, if there's some roasters here. Um, and I found a few. And then I had to go narrow down. One guy said, I really, really like what you're doing. Um, and I want to work with you. I said, I want to work with you too. He was faith-based, small, whatever. Because when you're roasting in your house, it's not going to be consistent, one. Uh, and two, it's not going to be sustainable. When people order something, they want a great product all the time. And at this time, Susanna, I'm burning up some. These are working out good. These are, so these are, it's not consistent. So I went with him and we sat down and we came up with some recipes. I mailed them out. I did a post on Facebook. Who enjoys coffee? Um, if you do, put your name in the, in the comments. And then from there, I had people... And I said, send me your address. And so I mailed them the samples that we came up with. We came up with five. We came up with five samples. I mailed them to them. And I sent them a Google survey. Rank which ones you like, which you don't like, whatever, whatever. And that's how we narrowed down our blends. And surprisingly, I actually sent out a whiskey blend because I like whiskey. Um, and I was so excited about it. It got the least amount of reviews. <laughs> and so the next one, I was that, but that taught me something really early in business. You're not selling what you like. You're selling yeah. what your consumer likes, right? And so had I put that out without that research, it would have flopped and I would have wasted a lot of money. So we came back and that's when we did, I did a cognac blend. Remember I said I had that party. So yes, I tried to say, yeah. let's see what people like about this one. And it hit. 
And so then we went through and we found the story about Hennessy and black people and the Josephine Baker and um, Eugene Bullard. And we wrapped that in. And that's how we got that LeGrand Duck 1928 blend. Oh, that's fun. Uh-huh. So you started this business. What, so so COVID was 2020. Yeah. When did you so, get with your roaster to, um, to make and- it more consistent? Yeah, that was in 2020 as well. So we okay. met up in 2020, got with him, uh, finalized the blends we wanted. I just, me and my line sister's husband worked on design. So these bags, we designed all of these ourselves. Uh, we designed the bags, we ordered them, and I said, you know, I'm gonna order a small batch and I'm gonna put it out there. We're gonna see what happens. We launched February 7th, 2021. Um, in June of 2021, we were accepted as a Target's Accelerator Program. Um, and then October and August of 2022, we were on target.com. We went live on target.com in October of 2022. We launched in HEB. So we scaled very fast. So from the kitchen to retail shelf in 16 months. Do you, it, it sounds like kind of a Cinderella story where it was <laughs> easy and... <laughs> You're shaking your head now. Yeah. It uh, seems uh, so fast, though. Where where did you, where, what roadblock did you have along the way? We had a ton. Um, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you our most expensive one. I'll say, well, say the most expensive one. We were excited. We put this stuff out. Mind you, I've never done this before, right? So I told you I ordered bags from China. I thought it'd be fine. You know, no problem. On all bags, you have to have a barcode. So I bought some barcodes off the internet. Sounds good. Put them on the bags, ordered these bags, shipped them over, paid all of these jet, uh, got ginormous prices for shipping because it was crazy in 2020 to get stuff here and get ready to go with live with Target. And we're checking and Target says, uh, HB said, no, HB says Target both. Oh, you can't use these barcodes. These aren't GS1 barcodes. Oh, you no. have to get new bags with oh, no. new barcodes for all of your blends. Oh, boy. That's a great example of you don't know what you don't know until it's too but late. You don't know which. Oh, here's the next thing. I said, oh, okay, sure. But then we have whole beans and grill, right? But when we did the second run of bags, we only sent the barcodes over for the ground. Uh-oh. So now we have to do the whole beans on the back. So the thing is, what? we bought all of these other bags that we can no longer use in retail. And then we have these other bags that we can use in retail. We have to use certain things. So that was a little different. So that was a, it was a, a good lesson early, but it was an expensive lesson. So yeah. those other bags, I'm like, we're using them. So pop-ups, events, vendors, corporate things where we don't have to scan it, those are the bags we're using, right? But I didn't know that until really right before. And on top of that with HEB, we had to get them in time. So I had to pay a rush to get them back to the States from where we're ordering them from. Because trying to get them printed in state wouldn't have been done in time. So we had to go back to China. So that was a serious bump for us as well, too. And then I think another bump in all of that is, you know, I wanted us to be successful on shelf. Um, and so we had to be very strategic in how many stores are we going to do and what's realistic of us and what can we, more importantly, what can we afford? We've not been in business for two years. So we can't go to a making it alone. We don't qualify. We also had, I didn't know the business well enough to say I wanted an investor um, that early on. I don't know what this is that I'm working on, right? 
Um, and at the same time, it's the pandemic. It's hard to try to do a friends and family round when people don't know if they're going to have their jobs tomorrow. They're not losing, yeah, giving well. up anything. So it was really me having to be strategic. So I had a really nice Susanna, a really nice Lexus truck at that time that I just adored. I love that little truck. And I had to turn it in. And I yeah. used that money from not having to make that car payment to investing in scaling and growing my business. Do you feel like, because um, you're two years in, which is a huge, it's a huge milestone for a new business. Yeah. Is year two. Year three is, I think, for a lot of businesses where they finally go, okay, okay, okay. All that money that we've invested, you know, we, I mean, are you guys positive? We, we, we fluctuate. I want us to be consistently positive month after, because yeah. we, we don't look at about a year. We look at month, month, month. I want us to be consistently positive, but yeah, that's where we are. Like we, we grew fast. We scaled fast. Um, and but that we takes just a lot of to... money, right? That takes a lot of money it to do all those things money. and then you're investing and you can only make so much. Of... So like your three is when you see a lot of, I think, I don't know, it just feels like people can breathe a little bit. Uh, it depends, right? You know, some people take on investments early in that midtime and they breathe a lot sooner than others. Some people have different things. For us right now, we're looking at innovation. So we have ground, we have whole beans, but what's next? You know, everyone wants to know, do y'all have K-cups? It's functional, it's quick, you know? Where are we scaling next? So for us, year three is our innovation year. You know, our innovation nice. scaling. How are we innovating and bringing in new products, new product offerings for our clients and our customers? Um, and then more importantly too, how can we continue to scale our team? How good are you at your work-life balance? Terrible. 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 But <laughs> guess what? I am on day three of getting my life together. So I said October, I'm getting my life together. So I'm on day three of being out the bed by a certain time, meditating for 10 minutes, writing my intentions down for the day. I've been putting my phone across the room. So that when I wake up, the first thing I'm not doing is rolling over and looking at this phone and allowing my mind to be consumed with whatever's going on in the world. The doom um, so scroll. I'm starting. I'm starting. Um, and more importantly, spending more time in my devotion, in my prayer. You know, when you wake up putting out fires, you never really got a chance to set the energy for your day or set the tone for what you wanted to focus on that day. So that's what I'm doing. Good for so you. So I'm on day three. So we're going we're gonna, to we'll see how this keeps going. Well... It's, I think that is uh, an, another challenge of, of being a business owner is making time for yourself. Yeah. But it's like, it's like having kids. If you don't make time for yourself, you're not going to be in, in good of a place for your kid or your business or your life or yourself. So good for yeah. you for making time for you. Yeah. I saw a lady talking about the other day and she says, you know, she has a multi-million dollar business. She said, but you can't pour from an empty cup. Your team can't receive anything if you're empty. Your family can't receive. So you have to spend time recharging, refocusing, and renewing and repurposing your own things. So um, that's what I'm trying to focus on in this fourth quarter. That's awesome. Well, is there anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't touched on today? Sure, absolutely. So Ezra actually means he who helps in Hebrew. Um, as I know, I'm very faith-based. And one thing that we want to do is make sure that we're also a vehicle and support for our community. And so what Ezra does is we use a portion of our proceeds to send people, send students back to college. I'm very passionate about the collegiate process, but we know that a lot of students start school, but they don't finish school for various reasons. So we provide scholarships starting their sophomore year, sophomore, junior, senior year, and we do what we call gap emergency funding. 
And so these scholarships are for things that you won't be able to find online. Let's say, you know, my financial aid came in late. I have a hold on my account. I wasn't able to register for classes. You know, we had some students, their parents lost their job during COVID, but they still had to use their previous tax return. So there was a deficit. So we go in and provide students with scholarships up to $1,000 to help help them cover those things, get back to campus, get holes released, cover fines and things like that. So they can continue to finish their degree and graduate with a degree and not debt. Our first year, we awarded scholarships to students attending Howard University, Southern University, (laughs) and Alabama State University. So we're really excited about that and the work that we're doing, not just within the business, but allowing our community to be a part of the community that they help within the people that we support and the students that we support. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, so we're very mission-based as well as being a great coffee brand. And you can, we, like, if I walk into... Are you in Central Markets or H-E-B? Not, not yet. From your lips okay. to God's ears. So we are in H-E-B. <laughs> we are in H-E-B. Uh, we are also on Amazon for those who like it prime. We have our Amazon yeah. and we send to them weekly. So it is, it is freshly roasted. We are also on Target.com if you would like to order from Target.com as well. If you're in Michigan or in Bridge Street Market, you can shop us in the Bridge Street Market stores. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. One of the cool things that we are, you know, being an insurance agency sponsoring the podcast, it's always yeah. fun for us. We revisit with our businesses yearly. How are you doing? How'd your sales go? What are your challenges? How can we help? So, and we want to do that on our podcast too and continue to have people back. So I'm excited yeah, to see absolutely. what all you do in the next year and how you grow. And um, I like your stories. I like your copy names and how you incorporate history. So I'm, I wish you all the best. Um, Thank you. And fingers Thank crossed, you. your your three days continues on. Let's say the rest of the we, year. That will happen. This is and this is a big season for us too. So I'll gently plug our Candy Ams blend, um, mm. which is oh yes, it is for the culture. It's amazing. If you like pumpkin, we all for it. But if you like candy, if you like yams, this is a definitely a blend that you want to try. And yeah. so that blend is also um, in H E B as well. When we're running some promos coming up in a few months. Do you do you sell on your website too, or are you mostly absolutely, on? absolutely? Okay, so Ezra, people can so go to your Ezra, website too. EzraCoffeeCo.com is our website, and you can find us on all social. You can even order right from Facebook. So we're everywhere. You everywhere your phone is, we are there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jessica. Thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate all it. All right. Take the time and tell us your story. No worries. Thank you, and have a great day. Our insurance tip of the week. We don't really have one. I'm so moved by being here. Whatever marathon you are running in your life, keep going. I hope you've got somebody there to cheer you on. We here at the Give Agency are always ready to be your cheerleaders. Thanks so much for being here. You're almost there, you got it. I just saw a chicken go by.